When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. back everybody to wrestling omakase it is episode number 72 and i'm very excited to bring to you the beginning of our 2018 year interview series so if you were not around last year for this um i want to give you a brief overview before we get into this week's topic and i introduce my guest so basically a general idea what this is from now until the end of 2018 we will be discussing either a single promotion or in one case a type of wrestling and giving an overview of that promotion's year, um, just basically going through in calendar order and just discussing what happened this year, you know, in very broad strokes, um, maybe highlighting some stuff that you might have missed over the course of the year. And all, then at the end, we'll get into like award categories, different award contenders for the, all the major 
you know, like Wrestling Observer type awards in each promotion. So if there's a promotion you're maybe not that familiar with, you know, that we're going to cover, but you didn't watch that much of this year, um, maybe we give you some contenders to look into, or we give you, um, you know, some like for the match of the year list, especially we'll do always do like a match of the year type list for each promotion. So I know last year, a lot of people said they found it uh, very helpful. A lot of people seem to like this series a lot and I'm excited to bring it back. So this year we're beginning with a big Japan pro wrestling and my two guests are both um, former former podcasters on this very network on the Burning Spirits podcast, both returning guests. Um, first of all, hello, Drew. Hi, John. How are you? I'm doing good, actually. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Good to talk to you. It's been a, a long time. Yeah, what I don't I was trying to think when was the last time you were on? I should have looked this up beforehand, but I mean I, it may it may have been uh like maybe the DDT year in review last year. Year in review last year, yeah. Yeah, I should look this up. I'm curious now. Um Kevin, I know you're you're our other guest. You've been on more recently. Definitely I've been on more here. recently. And yeah. I do have to address that I was robbed in the fantasy draft <laughs> poll. <laughs> my my Jun Kasai versus Junakiyama match. We all know that that should have won. You know it. I know it. Drew knows it. Hey, you had my vote. Yeah. Uh, so who, I, I don't. Which one are you on? Oh, you're on the Japan Indie one that I won. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which worked out because I did five of them. So I would have had like five winners theoretically, but I won two of them. So I was able to like keep one person off the. Uh, off you know the. the- the Tim real winner right. was Jun Kasai versus Jun Akiyama. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, you went in a very, you went in a direction that wasn't necessarily going to maximize voting since people don't always love the deathmatch stuff. But I can I can appreciate your artistic vision. You had a vision. Onita versus Bob Sapp is a draw, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but yes, welcome back to the show. I hope everybody here has had a good. Um, last few days, I just went to an anime con, so I'm always very in a, in a very good mood after that. So I've had a a good last little while here. And how was but that? Yeah, it was good. It was a really good con. Yeah, there was a anime NYC, which like already somehow in its second year did like thirty six thousand people. Jeez. So yeah, it's like like more than double from last year, like fifteen to thirty six. Oh. So did, did like you? Oh, sorry, I was going to say, it became the third largest con in the country in its second year, which is really insane. Wow. Uh, did you present anything? Uh, I did not. <laughs> That's, that would be the one downside. It's the only con I can't get my stuff on because, like, if you, they just have no fan panels at all. Hmm. They're like, you know, they have like a, maybe two or three, and they, were, they, they call them fan panels, but they were like from guests, like, like fan guests, basically. Oh. So they're, they're not really fan panels. They, they just have like so much industry stuff that they just don't have any room for us lowly fan panelists. For the, real, for the real, for the real workers, right? <laughs> the real workers, yes. I didn't get to bring my shitty PowerPoints to Anime NYC, but we'll see. Maybe next year they'll have more mm-hmm. panel space. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a great time though. The Gundam narrative uh, panel was my personal highlight. They just like showed the first twenty minutes of the next Gundam movie, which was like not even out in Japan yet. So that was pretty cool. But, cool. Yeah. So that was my weekend. I don't know if you guys do anything that nearly that fun. I mean, the highlight of my weekend was watching Nick Gage versus David Arquette. So okay, well that's that's pretty cool too, though. 
It was it was really fucking cool. It was fucking awesome. Yeah. It was incredible. Drew hasn't watched this yet, and it's a match that's right up his alley. So I want him to watch it so bad. I know. I'm gonna, I'll watch it tonight. Yeah. I've been yeah. waiting. Yeah. I don't know if you'd like it, John, but Drew, I know, absolutely will love it. So. <laughs> I, mean, I saw the gifts, but I haven't seen the actual uh, match. Let me so. tell you, there's a... It's a real true storytelling masterpiece going on in this match. <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, I guess we can get into a big Japan, which is today's topic. Um, you know, when I came, came up with the schedule for this, I wanted to start with something, you know, more niche, I guess. And especially since we really haven't done anything like we haven't gotten deep puro on here in a while. Um, you know, like last week was WCW the week before that was New Japan. Before that was like the weird ass FIV show that I was basically forced into doing. Not that I don't. Not that it turned out great though. But it was like just you know, it was not my decision. <laughs> I, I, I do, I do like the way that came about. <laughs> I, uh, I was across the street from that show when it happened, but I was not there. <laughs> so I, I could look inside. It was in Florida, but when I was down there, I could look inside and I could see the palm trees. I could see them all taking pictures and stuff. I thought about going over for a little while, but I didn't. But yeah, I was close, but I wasn't there. But yeah, I mean, we really haven't gone deep. I mean, you could, I don't even really consider DDT deep pure at this point. That was like a month ago. So I guess not till like since episode 67, the Joshi Mania show. Have we gone like deep puro? And you know, I, I enjoy doing more like mainstream stuff like we did the last couple of weeks, but I think like the deep Japanese wrestling stuff will always be my first love. I do I do find it uh interesting that Big Japan at this point, I mean, not that it ever was um incredibly popular, you know, as much as some <laughs> other things, but now it's funnier to kind of consider that it's in the deep puro realm because it's so less accessible than it was even like a year or two ago. Yeah, because core, you know, that I mean like look, people people one feedback I've gotten from people over and over again was that I shouldn't assume that the listeners know where to find this stuff. I should mm-hmm. like make that explicit. So if you're looking for Big Japan, don't look on Big Japan Core, which is the official Big Japan streaming service, because you're not gonna find it there unless you're like looking for either a Corican or a big show from like three months ago or like a smaller show. Yeah. Like right they, now, they might have a smaller show from like last week. Yeah. But the big shows, who knows when they'll go up. It, does anyone have a good feel for it? Cause I never use it. So I've never, um, Brennan, our former burning spirits host had a password for a little while in the beginning. But after that, uh, We've talked about like whether it's worth it to get one to share, and we've just never – we've always decided that it just doesn't seem worthwhile at all, so we haven't had one since. Yeah, I mean, you know – oh, go oh, go ahead, Drew. Oh, I, I, I was just going to say I'm always on the verge of getting one um, like it because the thing is, is it doesn't – the stuff doesn't show up anywhere. So well, no, I guess I guess that's not true actually. But I I think I've tr- been trying to pay attention to like when Samurai will air stuff versus where Co- when Core will air it, and I don't at this point I don't know if there's a huge difference or not. Wait, it, so, it, so really? Because Samurai the Samurai airs the Corkins within two weeks almost always. Okay, so so see that I I was like, and so don't quote me on that, but I I was trying to pay attention 
a little bit ago, and I th- I thought it was like maybe if the if it would be out on mm-hmm. Samurai in two weeks, it would be like three weeks for. Oh, for I mean, that's, okay, that's possible. But, um, I mean, look, the the big thing though is they they do still. I mean, we're talking Corkins. They they don't want yeah, the Corkins live. They're usually like two weeks later. Yeah, but the big the big events air live. Yeah, 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 and that that's like that's the big thing. Yeah, so like yeah. the big events are live on Samurai, like Ryogoku Tan, Death Vegas, um, oh god, what's the fucking spring like, one? Endless Survivor. Endless Survivor, thank and you. And like the, the tournament finals. Yeah, like those, those, are, those live. are live. So those, yeah, for the big, well no, I mean, so most of those are always live. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember the last time one of those big shows. The only one that's not usually live, I guess that you can call a big show, is Death Mania. And I feel like that's even still like within a week usually. Maybe two mm-hmm. weeks, but like, but yeah, I mean, like, it's just so anyway. So, this stuff airs live on Samurai, and for the stuff that airs live on Samurai, I feel like it usually will come out somewhere. You just need to keep your eye to the ground now. Like, it'll be on a Pro Wrestling Torrents, it will be on, um, I know Real Hero got it up on RuTube. Um, I'm talking about Real Goku, Real Goku Tan. He got that up on RuTube within like, I think, a day or two. So that was that was available if you you know follow Real Hero on Twitter, you know even though the Real Hero Drive doesn't exist anymore, you can still find that. Um, you know I always tell people, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't advertise this out loud, but if we're if we're mutuals and you really need a show um, that's not available anywhere, you can always ask me. Chances are either I have it because um, I have the Japanese TV service, or I can get it for you. So if it's a big show, like don't come to me for New Japan shows. Because <laughs> it's like, and go subscribe to New Japan World. Don't bother me about that. But it's like, it's something like Big Japan, or I don't know, some sort of like show like that. I can probably hook you up. So, you know, for if we're on Twitter and you need to, and you need a show, even if we're not mutuals, you can always at me if you don't. You know, you need to find a show, and I can probably point you in the right direction. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's the basic. So the answer for Big Japan is basically it's complicated. <laughs> there you yeah. go. Yeah, <laughs> I will say though, I am going to get core for the the deathmatch tournament. Yeah, I kept thinking about getting it for um for the the strong league this year, but then like I don't know, I just never got around to it. Yeah, but I, it, it I, sounds like I missed out on some good stuff, uh, which I may be talking about later. Ooh, okay. Um, but yeah, so before we get really deep into Big Japan, I did want to mention um, for the year in review series, I do have a schedule up on the Russell Omakase Twitter account. I did want to mention it's not like completely final, so we still might move some stuff around. But um, as of now, it's basically look, looking like WWE next week. Ooh, joy of joys. <laughs> uh, the Joshi that All Japan then Ring of Honor, the DDT, and then wrapping up at New Japan. And I have the list of guests on there as well. So, you know, you could definitely check that out on the at Russell Omikase Twitter account. Um, in the meantime, getting into Big Japan, uh, the year for Big Japan always starts out with the January 2nd Corican Hall show. And this is a show that featured um, the strong... We're right in the middle at the start of the year of the Daichi Hashimoto strong world heavyweight title reign, which uh, in a lot of ways just did not turn out very well. Um, does anyone have any, any, like, I don't know, counteracting opinions on the Daichi reign? Like, was it not as big of a disaster as it appeared? Or 
because it looked like kind of a disaster. <laughs> well, I I think the the first I love thing da- the... I love Daichi. I want to say I, I nothing but love for Daichi. People who follow the show for everyone know I'm not a Daichi hater, but I just this rain was not good. I I think the first thing to do is kind of paint a picture of how we got to the Daichi rain, where last year was a lot of Hideki Suzuki, um, kind of like a smothering the division, I guess, for lack of another <laughs> word. And I don't even try to mean that, um, you know, negatively, but like, that's kind of how it was where uh, he would wrestle somebody and he would kind of wear them down and beat them sometimes nonchalantly and just kind of move on to the next person and just kind of rinse repeat. And he basically did this to the entire strong roster, which isn't that deep, but still it was with everybody. And he was beating guys more than once. Yeah. So, we get to this year where it's uh, Daichi finally wins the belt. And yeah, I agree with you. It just kind of, I, I don't think the belt was in the best standing before he got it, but he certainly didn't do anything to kind of revitalize it or anything. Do you have any different opinion on that, Jerry? No, not really. Just, I mean, the, the strong belt kind of, as we all know, like you have to give big Japan credit because they've been trying to push that new generation. I mean, look, you know, if you look who's had it, it's, it's been Kamatani and Daichi who are young guys, uh, you know, and it just hasn't gone very well for them. Um, so it's, it's, we're kind of seeing that kind of lost generation between uh, the new guys that we have now and, you know, the older strong guys like Sekimoto and Okabayashi. So it's, it's like the whole that, uh, that uh, what's it Sasaki left and, um, the other Ishikawa, Shinya Ishikawa left. You yeah. Know, like th- those should be the guys right now, you know? And, you know, and you, you also have like, I don't know, like they, I, I would have liked to see Kawakami get a shot at it. And he was the first, he was the guy who went down here at this January 2nd show in a match that really, uh, if I recall correctly, wasn't very good. Um, I, I don't even remember it. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kawakami is the, the one guy they don't seem to, no, hasn't gotten a shot yet, but we'll see if he does. Because I guess he'd be from a similar generation, but yeah, yeah, it just hasn't happened for him yet. Uh, this show also featured the Twin Towers coming back together, which was really cool. Something didn't happen very often since Shuji has been um, very heavily with All Japan lately. Um, I remember that match being pretty damn good. Uh, you know, it only went about ten minutes, but uh, the Twin Towers, Kohei Sato and Shuji Ishikawa against Daisuke Sakimoto and Hideki Suzuki. Um, yeah, it was a good, solid kind of sprinty match. It was like where uh, Suzuki is kind of like at his most fun, where he kind of re- can rely on other people too. He's not like completely solely in the match, but he can kind of come in and maybe a little fast pa- more fast-paced than normal. And it was, it was a good little undercard match. And then the main event, um, Masashi Takeda right in the middle of his big title reign here the, with the death match of a weight title retaining against Takumi Tsukamo- uh, Tsukamoto. Any strong opinions on this one? I don't really remember it that well. I know, Ke- I I know have, Kevin does. Yeah, I have big-time <laughs> strong opinions on this match. Um, this is the single most underrated match in all of professional wrestling of 2018. Wow. This match it, is fucking, a strong statement. This match is incredible. Um, so the... Uh, this is coming off of Takeda. In the end of 2008-17, he uh, beat Takahashi for the belt in August. And then in December, they had their match um, that 
got a lot of match of the year buzz at um, Death Vegas. It's an incredible match. It's like a G1 style sprint. We talked about it last year a lot. It's a great match. You should watch it, even though it's a year old. This match is like two weeks after that and is very much like, you know, after a big title match, uh, there's always the smaller contender that nobody actually thinks is going to win. Yeah. They do that match next. That's definitely what this is. Um, and it delivers much more than almost any other match in that same type of category. Like, it's fast-paced. It's brutal. There's big spots. It's a lot more nasty than um, the previous match. There's big, crazy cage spots to the outside. There's a lot of forks, scissors. It's brutal. It's bloody. But this is the match where... Um, it really started to click for me how incredible the um, Takeda title reign is Um, because this was now a great match against somebody else who he definitively brought up. Sukamoto is his partner. He's been in a guy. He had a uh, really good 2000 or some moments in 2017, but this is a match where Takeda really brought up somebody else and uh, the crowd is just going completely molten for everybody for the entire match for both guys. Um, John, I would definitely encourage you to rewatch this one. And I would encourage really anybody to, if you've heard about the Takeda rain, this is a match you probably haven't seen. And is probably my f- first or second favorite match of the whole thing. So, oh, wow. um, so yeah, like, I don't know. I don't think that people like, I don't think the everyman will like this more than the Kodaka match, which is completely fine. And I understand, but I definitely think that people should watch this one instead. I've watched this match almost like probably more than any other match this year. I've seen at least four or five times. Wow. Drew, do you have any strong memories of it as well? Uh, I mean, Kevin, Kevin really nailed uh, all the major points, I will say, like uh, Sukumoto, there's good hammer spots in it. Um, and if I is that right, Kevin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And if I remember, because the the hammer oftentimes looks kind of goofy, um, like the big Giga hammer or whatever. But if I'm remembering this match right, I've only seen it one time, but uh, they make it more brutal than usual. But uh, I think the the larger point. So after Death Vegas. Because, uh, John, you were at the first Takahashi match uh, yep. live, right? That's correct. Um, yeah, and that that was an awesome match. And yeah. then uh, Takeda went – he had matches against, like, uh, Hoshino, for instance. The, those were, like, real kind of under-the-radar good matches at the end of 2017. Then we had even the even bigger Death Vegas match, which everyone loved and was awesome. And it's like, okay, th- this is, like – now, now we're on to something here. And if you remember after Death Vegas, the whole uh, Deathmatch roster came out, like all the younger guys. And you saw like, all right, so that like 2018, it's looking like they're going to really be pushing this next generation of guys and like uh, really be focusing on the Deathmatch division, which is good. I mean, and that's that's absolutely what happened. Like, I, I think we can all agree that the big focus was – uh, reigniting the deathmatch division, which is mm-hmm. which is good because that's what they needed to do. That's what makes the money, and you know they had really kind of fallen off in the past year or so. But uh, you know you, you got a sense that all right, like there there is this next generation to take over, and then you have this match, which is just on the second of January, and it's uh, between the two young guys, you know, 
and if if you look, Takeda didn't have a lot of title defenses against other young guys like in his same generation. And so you have this match against two of this next generation of guys, and it's like, man, like we're we're in for something now, like because it, it's fast paced and it's really brutal, and that that both guys really know how to work the crowd and do what they need to do, like to get the, the crowd involved. And it's like, man, we're we're in for something like that. That was that was my feeling uh, at the end of this, and it just kind of carried all the way through the year. So great yeah. way to great way to start the year. I, I want to say I, I didn't think this was bad. I just don't really. I don't no, remember it's like an all-time I, classic. But like maybe I, I said, go back I, and watch. I think that it's just a match that's gone under the radar, especially when it happened. It was like the Takahashi match got a lot of hype, but people weren't necessarily hanging on to every Takeda title yeah. match like maybe they were a little bit later on. Plus, it was the first week of January. And there's a lot of wrestling going on the first week of January, even though this was probably the best match of it, all of that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's definitely under the radar. Like I said, I think it's the most underrated match this year and it's worth watching for sure. Um, after that, the, there was another hurricane show in January, which saw the junior title, Shinobu retain against Kazuki Hashimoto, which was a a result that really surprised people at the time. Um, people just seemed to be really, really kind of shocked that Shinobu retained his title here. Do, do you either if you remember remember anything about this or remember being surprised? Uh, I think I think by this time I was pretty fine with whatever the junior belt was going to do. I was just kind of like, yeah, whatever. But I don't know. I like, <laughs> I think I, I like Shinobu a lot. So uh, as many, and I, th- I think all of his defenses were good. So it didn't bother me, uh, especially since I, I think it was clear that Hashimoto was going to eventually be the guy that beat him. And I think, I think him losing for a second time, maybe even made that even more clear that like, okay, so there is actually some kind of story and some kind of plot line that we can follow throughout this thing. So, yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember the match at all. But <laughs> yeah, I don't remember the match at all either. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but you don't have any thoughts as do you, Kevin? I just um. All I really all these ma- all the Kaz Shinobu matches don't they blend together to me? But the just the greater point was it did feel like they were going to the same well over and over with it, where. There were fun junior matches all over the place, but they they didn't really seem to have that many major things that they could go back to. So they just it felt like they just kept going back to Kaz over and over, you know. And then Shinobu would win, and then he'd be the next opponent. And that was just how I kind of felt the whole reign went. Um, after that, you have the main event, which is the tag titles. I know yes. this Takeda and Tsukamoto. It's funny you guys just mentioned they were like two young guys because here they beat two old guys. Yes. Kobayashi and Ito. Yes. <laughs> I think I know why Drew is so excited about this. Tell why? me why, Kevin. Because there is a spot yes. towards the end of this match yes. in which Masashi Takeda, who is a very good wrestler, very technical wrestler, had one of the uh, greatest technical wrestling spots you will ever see. Mm-hmm. Which is... Which is... It, a, do you want to describe it? I'll let you describe I, it. I, sure, yes. Uh, I would like to. Because this is. I think this is my kind of underrated match, at least in Big Japan. Um, so it's he, he gets Abdullah Kobayashi in an arm bar. Uh, 
you know, which we've all seen before, but this arm bar is on a bed of nails and uh, Abdullah Kobayashi is not tapping out. So uh, Takeda pulls out a handsaw and starts sawing his arm while in an arm bar. <laughs> Jesus. And uh, Submission Master Takeda does, in fact, make Abdullah tap out with that. So, yeah. So and that, that's and that's that's how they win the tag titles. Yeah. And then then it's like, man. So now now we've got Takeda as a tag champion and the deathmatch champion, and he's having raging awesome matches in both. So and and we're only in January. Yeah, yeah it's fair. It's fair, I guess. Um... <laughs> does not seem too enthralled by the saw. Better real spot. <laughs> I was John... into it. I just wasn't like <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. I, I do John, think though, John the the saw is the law. <laughs> the saw is the law. I I do think, and we'll we'll talk about it um, as the year goes on because it's a bit of a theme. But it's really easy to focus on the uh, idea of Takeda as a singles wrestler and as an ace, and I he definitely was that this year. But one uh, somewhat underrated aspect of his entire year is that he's also been put in a lot of big tag team spots in big Japan. And um, if he's not main eventing in a singles match, he is most likely main eventing in a tag match. And uh, I think that he's really proven to be a great tag wrestler in the same sort of style too. And I think, like I was saying, I think that that's a real underrated aspect of him as a wrestler and of his 2018 yeah, that's fair. That's a very good, strong point. Um, I just this t- I don't remember this tag title match well at all, so I guess we can just move on to the <laughs> February Corican, uh, which featured again the junior title and the strong world title. Um, any thoughts on Shinobu against Abe? Anyone remember that one? Whoa, no. I will say there is a match that that uh, Brennan is going to be upset that I still haven't seen. But it was from the end of January with Abe versus Nomura, which he was raving about and was talking about how great it was. So if if that's your style, the more hard hitting kind of map based uh, shooty style, as far as I know, that that is a match that is worth seeking out because he was raving about it all year. He still I think it still ranks really highly for him. So that was at the end of January to lead to this match. All right, cool. But this um, match, I don't really remember at all. I don't remember this at all. I remember the strong world title match, Hashimoto against Nakanoe. Um, I remember liking that. I remember thinking it was like pretty decent, given how down like I think everybody was on the Daichi Lane. Yeah, well, that was that was the start of uh, Nakanoe being like really over, right? Yeah, he, he yeah. had a good, he had a strong year as far as like overness goes. Yeah, yeah. Th- I remember this match being really good. I actually kind of want to revisit it because I have it at four and a quarter in my my sheet. I think that it was when kind of the crowd started to really get behind Nakanoe. And I, as far as I remember, this was the best Daichi match that of his reign by far. Yeah, not, I, I don't think I had it quite that high. I believe I had like three, like three and three quarters, but still like the best best of his very short reign. Yeah. Um, after that, we get into the strong climb. Um, there's a tag title match in here with uh, Takeda and Tsukamoto against Numizawa and Fukimoto. Um, there's a BJW death title match with Takeda against Ryuchi Sekine. Is there any Sekine? 
Takina, is there any thoughts on that? It's just a small house show match. It's the weakest Takeda match, more so just because of the spot that it was put in. Like in uh, February and March, they were just gearing up for the strong climb, and there weren't really any major corkins either. Yeah. So um, after the February show we just talked about, so it was just kind of a wall time. So both that tag match and the death match were just kind of time fillers there. So they were both on smaller single cam shows, and there's not much there. Um, I, I will admit I did not see a lot of the strong climb at all, really. Is there anything that stands out for any of you guys during the strong climb? Uh, yes, for me, because I was at two shows live. Oh, this is right during your trip. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so the first one the I was at the first Kurikin, uh, the so March, March, March 21st, 21st. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, two matches that stood out, uh, big time, the Nomura versus Aoki match. Um, now I don't know what your guys thoughts on UJ Aoki are, but that, that was the Fucking first match. He rules. I mean, yeah. 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 Okay. Is there, <laughs> is, is there something where some people don't think he's a good wrestler or, or something? Am I, am I, Totally there is definitely there is definitely a weird Aoki like hater club. I've noticed well, that too. What what's the what's the reasoning for it? Do you know? I have no idea. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I don't know because yeah, this match. So this was the first time we got to see Nomura in like a bully veteran role against a younger guy, at least in in any kind of high profile singles match. Um, you got to see Aoki, who uh, Jojo Remy described as. Um, having some similarities similarities to uh like shinjiro otani like young shinjiro otani which mm. which i never would have put together but i think that's real interesting um but yeah so you got to see him as you know a real underdog like good looking underdog baby face versus nomura who's you know the roles are reversed now uh where he's finally able to be uh, in more of a veteran uh position you know so that was really awesome and then the main event was Nakanoe versus Hama, and Nakanoe defeated Hama, uh, which so was it, huge. How, so how was that? How was Nakanoe versus Hama? Yeah, it, it was awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, it was awesome because, like, you had Nakanoe, who, who was really over with the crowd still. Um, do I mean, it wasn't as good. Remember the Hama versus Okabayashi match from 2016? Yes, I, I definitely do. That was yes. incredible. <laughs> incredible. I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't like that, but it, it, it was a similar kind of uh, dynamic, you know, where you had Nick Conway just trying everything he could to, to knock Hama down. And then, you know, he's able to finally, and, and he hits a big elbow drop for the win. Yeah, that sounds like something I'd have to go back and watch because it sounds awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, not like not not blow away great or anything, you know. Yeah, I mean, only one less eleven minutes. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it's like yeah, very awesome match. Um, the other show I went to was at uh, Shinkiba First String, and the 26th. that yeah on the twenty sixth, and that had a match. The main event of that match was a Sekimoto versus Uto draw, and it was worked really slow. So it was it was mostly map based, which. Uh, I, I don't know how many people know, Kevin, I know you know, that I, I'm really into Sekimoto working like slow, old school map-based matches. Because mm-hmm. he, 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 he relies a lot on his big facial expressions, which are awesome. Like some of the, some of the best facial expressions going, which is like, that's something I'm, I'm really into lately is just watching you know, wrestlers' faces. 
Um, so, and so you have Sekimoto doing, it's just really simple, really big, uh, you know, Boston crabs and um, arm holds and big headlocks and that kind of thing. And Uto, who's going toe to toe with them. And they built the match in such a way where it was like the big, the big spots of the match were like um, a couple clotheslines and shoulder blocks, which was, they just built, 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 built to it. And it, you know, it, it was, it was awesome. It, I really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, it does sound pretty cool. Yeah. Um, anything from the rest of Strong Climb? Uh, I remember there was another uh, Daichi versus Nakanoe match that wasn't quite as good as their first one, but still was really good. Mm. Um, I think that's from April 5th. And on that same show that Corkin, not in it, had a... Um, Takeda and Tsukamoto versus Yankee Tukenju match that as the main event that was really awesome. Yeah, so there's a there's um Yankee Tukenju at one point won the tag titles on April fifth. Yep. Um, so that's what you're just talking about, I think. So that's the big title, the first title change of this tour, not the last though. Um, then we get to you know the 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 fourteenth has the semifinals where Hideki beats Nakanoe. And Hashimoto beats Sekimoto. Um, April 15th is the finals. Um, this ends up being a strong title match as well as the final. And Hideki beats Hashimoto. This was a this was a very uh, controversial match, I guess. Um, you know, it got a, a very big burial from Joe Lanza on the Voices of Wrestling flagship. And it like it prompted like a gin- like a ginormous burial, actually. I remember didn't didn't Brennan go back at him in the very last episode of Burning Spirits? If that, that if that's the last episode, it's actually kind of funny. I didn't really think <laughs> that was the last one. I think it is the last one. <laughs> I think. But yeah, Brennan went in on Brennan, not he didn't go in on Lanza, but he was very much on the other side. Yeah. So, Bre- Brennan is very diplomatic. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure it is the last one. I'm gonna double- yes, it is. Burning Spirits number 66. <laughs> All Japan champion carnival, carnival finals and Brennan fires back on Hideki Suzuki. <laughs> so that's the last episode. That was absolutely Drew's description. A little behind the curtain. Yeah. No, uh, was- no, I, I didn't have anything to do with that. That was all Kevin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, does anybody have any... So I guess, first of all, any thoughts on the match? And second of all, any... I mean, nobody can really defend Hideki like Brennan does, but does anyone want to take a stab at defending Hideki? Um, I won't do that at all. Nah. But um, I will say, I guess, in general, to kind of summarize the entire Strong Climb tournament, um, this year's was really the, – the Strong Climb two years ago was really great with um, – it was kind of the Kamatani coming out party where he had a few really big-time star-making matches, and they had like shoot, shoot, uh, the Ishikawa. Shuji match, right? Yeah. The Shuji yeah. Match. yeah, two years ago, that was incredible. That was yep. that was a really, really, really good start. And, and then uh, last year, it was pretty underrated, I think, because it was a little bit bef- – slightly before the – Deathmatch resurgence. I guess it was it was really the beginning of the big Japan one, but just the general idea of people being interested. It was slightly before it, but last year's deathmatch tournament was also really really good, and there yes. was a lot of really cool stuff in it. Yeah. And so this year's strong climb, um, I was really excited for, but the there were major there. Were, I guess there were two big issues going into it. With one, uh, the division wasn't very hot going in, 
And two, it was also the same time as the All Japan Champion Carnival. So Mm -hmm. if there was any hope of maybe an outsider or two, like Shingo, per se, like, for example, who came in at the end of last year in their tag tournament and was awesome. So we're hoping for maybe somebody like him to come in. He, he, Ishikawa, etc., were in the um, Champions Carnival. So this year's Strong Climb was really insulated and uh, insular, and it was um, thought it would be interesting because you would see a lot of guys kind of pop up to the next level, which you did to an extent, but at, at the same time, it felt very kind of same old and stagnant, especially when we got to uh, how the finals actually ended up with Suzuki versus Hashimoto in a match that I don't remember like hating it as much as Lanza did, but I certainly didn't like it. Like it definitely, there was not much there that to really sink into and it was pretty disappointing. And not just that, it was also made kind of confusingly. I don't even know if I realized it when I was watching, but it was made into a title match uh, and then Suzuki won the belt back. So it, at the end, it basically felt like, they had this underwhelming title reign. They needed to figure out a way to get it off Daichi right away. And then it goes back to the guy who was, I felt was stagnant and kind of smothering the belt and brought it a step down before. So I was really kind of um, uh, disappointed with how the entire strong climb ended up. Yeah. I think that's a compelling compelling little argument there and I, I don't i don't know enough about it to really rebut anything you just said i didn't really watch any of it but from what i saw on twitter like the most passionate defense i saw of the strong climb was like it's okay <laughs> so <Yeah. you> know, <laughs> if, when the most passionate people are like saying it's fine it's probably not a good sign. Yeah, and, and I can't remember a lot of the minutiae, but it was like there are definitely fun little shows and stuff, and it wasn't bad. But really what you're going to come out of it, like two years ago you came out of it thinking that Kamatani was the next big thing in wrestling, which he wasn't, but you thought he was. And this year you came out of it being like, fuck off, Hideki Suzuki is the champion again. I will say uh, I think when we go through the rain, Hideki, Hideki like um, – Oh God, what's the word I'm looking for? He he ex- he like represented himself better than people may have gave him credit for going into this rain. Like you can go back and look at my Twitter. I and I like Hideki a lot, and even I was like, I don't know about another Hideki rain. We just saw this. I think he actually did a pretty great job, all things considered, and I think it went a lot better than it could have. But yes, in this moment, I definitely understand why people were not necessarily into it. I wasn't that into it. Yeah, I was, and we'll talk about it more, I'm sure, but I'm more indifferent on his second reign, but it just really felt like retread to me. I I think, I, I mean, kind of like I talked about a little earlier, the strong divisions in a holding pattern, like they have to, they have to somehow bridge the gap between, uh, you know, Sekimoto and Okabayashi and the new generation of guys that are coming up and like, they're, they're going to have a really good strong division uh, at some point, but no one's really ready yet. And so they've just kind of, you know, they tried with Kamatani and with Hashimoto and it didn't work. So they just, I mean, this, this was like a pure holding pattern year and it was really clear um, to see that. And I mean, I, I don't really like Hideki Suzuki that much. Like uh, Joe, Joe and I probably don't have, we probably don't share very many of the same 
uh, like wrestling opinions, but I, I pretty much agree with him 100% on uh, Hideki Suzuki, even though some of his matches I really love. Um, I'm generally not a big fan of him, but I, I do think that Hideki Suzuki as your champion, I do think that has more cachet and more appeal than Daichi Hashimoto or Hideyoshi Kamatani. Yes. And I mean, he, ha- he look, he has his fans. Like, Anyone who doesn't want to acknowledge that, like, I can understand if you don't like Hideki. I, you know, again, I personally enjoy him a lot. But if you, even if you don't like Hideki, the idea that he's not a draw at all in Japan is just not true. I mean, no, I've been no, to these of course shows. That's not true. Yeah, I mean, I've been yeah. to these shows and I've seen these crowds and like, there are people there to see Hideki. Yeah, like that is a real thing. Yeah, so. you, I mean, yeah. At this point, you and I, John, we've both we've both been to shows in Japan. We've both seeing those crowds and like we've both probably talked to people in Japan who speak English and who speak, you know, who are native Japanese people. And like, I, I do, I do think that part is, is incorrect. Yeah. Uh, that he's, that he's not a draw whatsoever. And I mean, it's on, it's on a small scale maybe cause it's fucking big Japan, but sure, yeah, but I mean, this idea that he's some kind of anti-draw or like a bat or like turns people away, I just don't think it's true. Now, look, no, this no. match, this match sucked, by the way. I mean, oh yeah, like it really did suck, and I don't Not think a good. lot of people, even who like Adeki, would tell you otherwise. But I think he he showed up really well in the rest of this reign, and I don't like you. I, I like this reign quite a bit, but you know, it definitely did feel like a retread. I wouldn't disagree. Um, after that, we get to Endless Survivor on May fifth. Um, that's pretty much the first big show of the year in Yokohama. Um, trying to think if there's anything on the, if anything on the undercard stand out before the top three title matches. Ooh, I can't remember. Let's see. I remember. Wasn't Okami versus Kehash and Aoki. Wasn't that pretty good? Yeah. If I remember, it was, it was just kind of your standard, uh, like heavyweight versus junior kind of mismatch match but what always works well in big japan undercards are uh, i mean everyone works really hard so we're in maybe another company uh junior versus heavyweight match wouldn't uh, like on the undercard wouldn't hold much weight you know it's the everything's like a notch or so better in big japan just because everyone's working hard um anything on the undercard that you remember kevin no, I remember the top two matches and can't really. I'm drawing a blank on everything else. Okay. Dude, the, ta- the tag title match was good. Yeah, yeah the tag title match was was very good. I had that down on my list. It's like a, again, like a three and three quarter star match, which is Yankee, Yankee two Kenju against uh, Sekene and uh, Ryuji Ito. Mm-hmm. I remember that being really good. Yeah. yeah I um, like that. Then the what was not really good, and this is the one where you know I understand why people maybe didn't. Didn't think this rain got off to a good start. Uh, Hideki and Sekimoto going to a 30 minute draw for the strong title. Um, you know, I went three and a quarter on this, which I think even then is probably higher than a lot of people, but it just was not, um, you know, it was, I thought it was by far the weakest of their strong title matches. They were trying to recreate the draw from 2017. It just, it was not going to happen. I mean, they just didn't, were, it was not on that same level. So when I watch wrestling, uh, I can pretty much watch on an even keel. Uh, even if there's things I don't like, I can usually justify it and understand it. Um, usually like I'll, I'll take things for what they are. And if a company, if a company wants me to go in one direction, obviously I'll have opinions, uh, 
here and there about where they're going, but I can usually understand the logic and like go with it. This was a very rare reaction for me when I got to the end of the match and I just completely was just like, fuck off. <laughs> like I was straight up like, are you kidding me? Like I figured going in that Suzuki was the transitional uh, champ to get it back to Sekimoto, which it actually turns out that he was, but it just took a lot longer to get there. But uh, when they did it and not like they couldn't even def- give a definitive winner. It was just 30 minutes. The crowd didn't really care. And then it went to a like it was a standard Hideki trying to drag the match out type of thing. And I was just like I was so turned off by how this ended up. I was just like, here we fucking go again. Like it's nothing has changed. We're back to where we started. The exact same thing as last year. Great. Fantastic. See, now I didn't realize both of you were so strongly anti Hideki because now I feel like I should have had a more pro Hideki. I'm not, I'm not (laughs) anti Hideki, uh, but I'm also like, he doesn't do a lot for me. Like if he has a good match, I'll, It'll be good, but just like, and I understand he does have an aura and stuff, but so many times he just drags down a match for me. And like, they'll even just be little segments and matches that just, they don't go anywhere. And I just write it off as like, I understand why people like him and it's just not for me. Like, I understand why somebody would like him over somebody like Zack Sabre Jr., but I just like watching Zack Sabre Jr. a whole lot more than I like watching him. So it's just kind of yin and yang, you know, apples and oranges type of thing. But I just... See, you know, I thought this this was a weird match, and that I thought it peaked really early. Where I was, I was really feeling it early on. It's like the power versus technique battle, and like there was like a, a moment where like Suzuki countered a power slam into with a cravat, which I thought was just such a cool little like counter that that was that stood out for me. But like I don't know, from there it just like it felt like a match that peaked early, and like you said, it was just filling time. So, mm-hmm. and then Stekimoto, like he just kept screaming like he was. A large Japanese Will Ospreay, and <laughs> uh, he does that. He does that a lot sometimes, anyway. But like, it was really egregious here. If I, I did. Correctly. I finally saw him live at WrestleMania weekend this year, and that was one of the things that I really noticed. And I thought it was sick when I when I saw him live yeah. in a different uh, atmosphere. And he just like was just screaming the entire time, dude. Yeah. When I saw him in that Udo match at Shinkiba, he I mean, he was doing that like the whole match. And it was it was in like a little warehouse in front of 100 people. Just. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I still went three and a quarter. I still thought early on it was good. And the last five minutes I remember being good. But the middle just was not good. So I can't really go any higher than like a good match, but not not a great match and definitely not the way you want this reign to start. Um, then the death title match in the main event, uh, what do you guys think of Takeda and Kobayashi? Loved. Loved it. Mm. Loved it. Yes. Because, so, uh, their their title match, or that tag team title match, if you remember, Kevin, uh, uh, Kobayashi didn't tap out. It was a ref stoppage. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and so the whole thing about this match was that uh, there weren't going to be any ref stoppages. And so the match, the match ended up playing, uh, or it paid that storyline off, which was awesome, because um, that's I believe that's how this match ended was with uh, was with uh, Kobayashi tapping out, and 
what I liked, first of all, I love Abdullah Kobayashi, but what you had here was a different style match for Takeda because this wasn't a really fast paced, uh, spot heavy match. It was built largely on aura and, uh, crowd interaction and, um, like kind, of, it was a little bit like the real uh, real Gokutan match in the sense that it was really focused on building to spots, but it was done in a different way because you were able to weave the light tubes in and out of it. Uh, so it was like, I don't know. I really like this, and I like that Abdullah Kobayashi. I mean, he he can barely move at this point, but he's got so much charisma and so much aura that he's able to make things work, and the crowd still believes in him. Yeah. Uh, so this was like, I think this is a big match. Uh, for Takeda's title reign, like in terms of watching him work in different environments. And it could be the last big uh, Kobayashi deathmatch challenge, title challenge. So, yeah. And it, it was awesome that, you know, he's, we can see now that Takeda's going through all the old generation. Um, so we're, we're, you know, at the time you're waiting to see, like, okay, like, who's the, what's this building to? Who's he going to fight next? All that kind of stuff. Anything to add, Kevin? Yeah, uh, I agree with Drew. This is definitely an aura match. And um, I personally really like that style of match. Like, um, the quality of the match doesn't really matter to me as much if it has a really big aura to it and kind of plays off of that really well. And I thought that this did. And it also has a completely insane superplex off of the top rope where Abby just gets planted onto... I think it's super, Superplex, right, Drew? Or is it a German? It, it's a Spider-German, it right? It's a Spider-German, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry. It's a Spider-German, so it's even crazier. It's a Spider-German off of the ropes onto the bed of nails, and Abby takes it with, like, half of his back on and half off, which makes it even look even worse than if he just completely landed on it, and it just absolutely brutal insane looking it's just it's so haphazard and he's so big yeah. and just 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 bounces and rolls off it you know Ugh. yeah and you, you can just kind of see how the corners of the nails would just kind of like implant into his back <laughs> it's it's crazy looking. Uh, yeah so um, okay. i know joe lanza does not like this match but uh don't listen to him on this one it's good <laughs> Um, after that, anything from the Reno Park shows? No, I don't even think I saw those. Okay. Uh, Kevin, nothing? Nope. So then we move on to a big show. Um, you know, a show that I think is going to get a lot of love in the, you know, your show of the year type voting and match of the year type voting. June 20th, the Cork and Hall show. Um, first of all, the Yokohama Shopping Street Six man tag titles change hands. They, oh yeah, belts that we, big belts we haven't talked about yet, and we probably won't <laughs> talk about again. I, I that was a good match. I remember though, that, yeah, was, like how I'm knocking their way and Uto beating Daichi uh, Kamatani in second mode. I remember liking that actually. But the two matches everybody talked about coming out of this. First of all, the strong title match: Hideki Suzuki against Takuya Nomura. They had built this up with Nomura like running off his own mentor. Uh, at the end of endless survivor, the endless survivor title match, and like we're not running off, like attacking and then running away. Mm-hmm. Him and Abe, yeah, yeah, and Abe came out, yeah. Um, but yeah, this this is a as good of a ten and a half minute long match as you're gonna see probably all year. Um, I just thought this was incredible. Um, there's, 
there's this, this entire sequence where Nomura like hits a German and then he has like and then gets like Hideki like reeling on the ropes with these strikes and Hideki just like fires back this high kick and then this fucking soccer ball kick and looks like he fucking murders him and I don't know I mean it just like this is a match where I was like okay well the Hideki the Hideki reign is back on track baby because like this is the kind of match where that I almost feel like only Hideki can do where it's you know this like sublime mat wrestling and it sort of lulls you into like a certain feeling and then all of a sudden it's just like this burst of fucking violence that just like makes you jump up out of your seat and then it's over and like it, it doesn't go to like 10,000 near falls it doesn't go to a bunch of bullshit it's just he kicked he knocked his fucking opponent his own protege the fuck out and he pinned him um you know, I don't know. Like it was just like Nomura getting to sh- show that he was able to hang with him was really cool, and then Hideki just showing how vicious he could be. Um, I went four and a half on this. It was on my match of the year list for a while. Like this was, this was really fucking good. I don't know if anyone yeah. else has st- thoughts on it, but yeah, yeah. This is like this is like the perfect ten and a half minute match, like you said. Uh, so I mean, obviously Suzuki helped train Nomura. They've had a lot of matches in the past, most of them on real small shows, but they've had a good amount of singles matches. And you see it's it's just a pure teacher versus student uh, like learning session almost where Suzuki just completely dominates Nomura the entire match and you know, just kills him. And then afterwards, you can see they always have these little moments where they talk and you can <laughs> you can you can tell it's like Suzuki telling him like, OK, well, this, 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 you know. And this match, this is the most offense that Nomura has ever gotten off on Suzuki. So it's like you can feel that next step. He went to that next step, which is uh, so a big issue I have with Hideki Suzuki is that it never feels like he he understands what the point of pro wrestling is, which is to, to have this simulated contest, uh, the point of which is to make money either now or in the future for both people. So it feels like he never quite understands that. And a lot of times his opponents end up looking worse. Um, not in this case. And I mean, it, it's, it's obvious like, you know, Nomura is one of his guys, so he's going to help him out a little bit. But like this, this is uh, an instance where Nomura was better for this match. Uh, and it, it was, I mean, yeah, it, like, like you said, John, I mean, it was, it was like worked perfectly. I mean, I want to counter that and add this, like there's a guy, some people may have said that about Minoru Suzuki at one point. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Like, I think Hideki, I, when I look at like what Hideki does in there, if, if, if Hideki was like just selling for everybody, like, you know, I don't know, like he's Ric Flair or something mm-hmm. like, would that have had as much impact when Nomura just like was able to out at Matt, out Matt wrestle him for like a minute or something like whatever the fuck, like out, out Matt wrestling Hideki for a minute in this match felt like a bigger deal than most wrestlers doing like winning a match in a lot of ways. And I don't know if you could have that if you hadn't built up a decade mystique. I, I think there. I think I think there's a line though. I think like I think you can like you can dominate a guy on the mat, but you don't have to like humiliate him or make him look worse uh, mm-hmm. in, in like the standings of whatever company is, uh, whatever company it's in. Because that that's the whole thing. Also, is like so I've I've been watching a lot of. Um, 1984 mid-atlantic and like totally blanchard for instance i mean rick flair of course is famous for all this but 
Tully Blanchard, like in promos and stuff, when he's on commentary, he'll always put over his opponents and he'll put over the baby faces because that makes him look even better, you know, in the end uh, when he does beat them. And it's kind of a similar situation where, like, uh, you know, Suzuki, like, if he totally dominates everyone and doesn't give anyone anything uh, to the point where he makes them look worse. Uh, like I don't know how beneficial that is to to anyone involved, himself included. Like, do you remember that uh, that tag match he did in DDT where he completely swallowed up Yukio Sakaguchi? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Which was like it was it was like funny to watch, but it was it was also like, man, what like what's the what's the point of that? Like he he doesn't really come out any better for that and certainly Sakaguchi doesn't either. So it's like if there's ever any interaction with them in the future, it doesn't really do anything. And it, you know, like, I, I don't know. Um, but you need, but like there has to, if there's going to be a Hideki Suzuki, isn't that what he has to do? Like, is like, what is he, if he's not the guy who swallows up the fake shooter or DDT? Yeah. I mean, the, I think, I think there's, I think there's like, there's a way to do that when you're wor- like, you can work in such a way where he can swallow a person up without making them look uh, foolish or look completely incompetent. You know what I mean? Like, I guess I, think the- I, I, well, I'm happy. There is a, there is a, a guy who cares enough about, um, you know, about legitimacy and about being a, a guy who knows that he can, shoot on people i I, like i i'm glad that person exists i think wrestling still i want that person to exist in wrestling still even if it makes somebody look fucking stupid Mm. i think wrestling would not be as cool if hideki wasn't around and especially if he wasn't able to pass that on hopefully to somebody else like uh, i think i think kind of a small example is there's there's a difference when um you see a guy no sell a kick but do it in kind of an emotional way or whatever, you know, or maybe he'll yeah. power through it or he'll look at the guy and just be like, fuck you. You can't kick me. And there's a way to no sell a kick where you just look at the guy and just be like, you're stupid in, in a way that condescends, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that that's more of so what happens where oftentimes instead of just coming off as this big badass wrestler that nobody can beat, he just kind of condescends the other wrestler and makes it seem like, and not e- not in like a positive way. Like I understand where you're, what you mean, John, but it doesn't come off like he's swallowing them up in a good way. It just comes off as he's like almost exposing everything because he's the guy and nobody else can get to his level. Mm. Okay, like, yeah, that's exposes. But wait a second. Wait a second. That's a good way can, of putting it. I guess. But can you? Ex- how can you expose wrestling in 2018? Yeah, well, you I mean, you, you you can't, sure, but that's like I think I think that's I don't know I think that's a little meta, I guess, to the like where like what what good does it do um, if he loses to Daichi Hashimoto and uh, like you can tell he's bored and he doesn't care the whole time and as soon as he gets pinned he just gets up and walks out of the ring like what like that's the kind of thing that. Um, like doesn't it doesn't do anyone any good and it just it just makes him look like he 
doesn't understand what pro wrestling is or mm. something. You know what I mean? Like, I, don't know. Okay. I mean, I think it's, I think it fits with his, I don't, I don't know if it makes it not look like he doesn't understand pro wrestling. I think it makes it, it fits with his overall image, but yeah, I don't know. Well, like, okay. So, so, you know, Billy Robinson, that's his, that's his big hero, right? Like when Billy Robinson would wrestle uh, jumbo in the seventies, it, he would do he would do very similar things, which which in like he would completely dominate Jumbo because at that point you know Jumbo was like uh, like a young boy you know um, or coming up the ranks, but it never came off like it it never came off like he wasn't engaged in the act of pro wrestling, whereas Hideki Suzuki, for me at least, it seems like he takes you out of pro wrestling and. Uh, takes it to like a meta level where it's like, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not going to act like I'm hurt for you because well, I don't want it to damage my credibility. If that makes sense. But, but, but okay. But here's, and this, and this is interesting because I think there's a really interesting discussion on why people like and dislike certain things in wrestling. What's mm-hmm. worse? Is it better to, would you rather be taken out of uh, things on a meta level because somebody is refusing to sell? Or would you rather be taken out of things on a meta level because you're doing over-the-top theatrics and over-the-top selling and very clearly making, you know, basically announcing the entire world, this is what I'm going to do to get my six-star rating from Dave Meltzer? I buy into that more. Drew doesn't like that style as much, but I buy into that more within the story of the match. Like I can, me personally, I can kind of let over the top theatrics and the over the top facial expressions and that type of like, um, you know, melodramatic type of stuff. I can let that go because I can see that I, the way that I watch it, I go, okay, this is the story of the match. Whereas in a way where maybe Suzuki isn't doing it, I watch and say, okay, this guy, I think about... I think about what's going on outside of the match a little bit more than I want to. And when I'm watching a match, personally, I just want to watch what's in the ring. And I don't really want to think about uh, why he is or isn't selling for this guy or, like, what the wrestlers do. Like, I don't really want to think about that. And personally, if a guy is being overdramatic, I just – it's easier for me to buy into that as the story as opposed to the other direction. I, for for me, I I can't choose like they're equally as bad for me because <laughs> like like they're they're both I think like detrimental to pro wrestling as a whole like and they're they're essentially the same thing if you think about it it's it's like it's it's guys or wrestlers that are thinking about pro wrestling outside the context of pro wrestling where if you're you're thinking about I I need to do this 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 and this in order to get this. Uh, rating or in order to get this acknowledgement from a person who reviews pro wrestling uh, based on it being a fake sport like that. That's no better to me than Hideki Suzuki saying, okay, like I'm, I'm not going to sell for this person because they aren't as good a technical wrestler for me. And that might hurt my, you know, bookings in the future, my mystique or whatever. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I see those things as as equally bad and equally as annoying. Um, I so yeah. I I don't know. I, I it's a question I pose because I'm interested in, the, and I think reasonable people can meet can can get reach different 
um, can reach different answers, you know? Yeah. And I, I think yeah. that is, I just wanted to bring that up because that to me, I would rather watch Hideki fucking act like he's trying to win a fight at the same time, act like this wrestling shit is fucking stupid than watch Kenny, you know, act like he's going for his goddamn Academy Award. <laughs> and after he specifically tells us in his promos that he's going, you know, that he's, you know, worried about his average star rating. Like that yeah. shit to me, that takes me out of a match way fucking more than Hideki, you know, shooting on a guy. So I, did, I like well, flashiness though. And I do like flashiness got, too, but there's you got like none. The, that brand of flashiness where you're like, it's not to me. It's not flashiness. It's not move flashiness. It's it's the it's over the top theatrical selling. It's like you know. Right. I, and I'm not. I'm not here to to advocate for that. I more so mean. I just watch Suzuki, and he just does what he does in just kind of a slow and plodding way. And it's there's not as many for me. It's for how I guess I've been trained to watch wrestling. And I'm not saying this is a good or a bad thing, but there's not as many like specific points where you could point to of like transitions or working in the next thing. It's a lot less obvious and it's a lot more dull feeling to me. And that's where, like I said, I much rather a guy be real flashy in the style like Zack Sabre Jr. or whatever than uh, Suzuki. But I feel like we've talked about this for a while. And yeah, then wait, wait, match- wait, 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 wait. I want to, I want to ask, I do want to ask uh, John a question real fast. Um, and this all match we all agreed was good. I think, right? So- dude, loved it. Loved yeah. it. <laughs> um, like uh, compare. Uh, and I mean, I, I think there's, there's a big difference between the two, but like, um, like Pat Patterson or uh, like Ricky Steamboat, you know, they, that they used to get those criticisms as well for like the, Steamboat especially, you know, for, like, overacting and overselling. Or even, like, Kenda Kobashi. Um, well, Kobashi, I don't think is a good comparison. You don't You don't think so? No, because, it, I mean, look, he's doing something with He's doing it with his face, but he's not... I'm trying to think of the, greatest, the best way to say this. He's not out there, like... <laughs> like, I don't know. I, maybe, maybe I'm completely off base here. Like, I, I, you know what? Here's what it, what it comes down to, I think. Because I've said this, Kenny wrestles like a guy who's watched a lot of Kenta Kobashi and mm-hmm. is trying to do it yeah, and yeah. is really, really bad at it. So maybe it is a good comparison. Maybe it's just a, like Kenny fucking sucks at it. But so maybe you're right. Maybe there is like a, a um, you know, an argument to be made that it's along the same lines. But I don't, I don't know. Like Kobashi, it, it never took me out of it though. I never felt like yeah. it. Never felt like this is a guy reacting in a way that isn't natural like kenny to me the biggest complaint is it doesn't feel like he's in a fucking fight anymore it feels like he's you know doing something that's um you know that's just trying that's trying to up the theatrical element of the match to the point where he's just you know trying to get this certain reaction which i guess is the point of pro wrestling in a lot of ways so yeah well, that's for... that's that's like where the meta thing but it, comes but it though, can take right? yeah it, it can go too far though and it can take me yeah. out like like look um i'll give other people who Shawn michaels sometimes can annoy mm-hmm. me with that and yeah. then i think that's a complaint with him manami toyota is another one yeah. that i think can go too far with it but um i don't know it's not kobashi in but my head watch, sort of. a, watch a suzuki match and it doesn't necessarily feel like he's in a fight either I, it yeah, does. I, it just I, feels I like he's very good at that. it. It feels like he's very good at it. I don't know. Uh, that, no, I, I disagree with. I think he. It always feels like he's a fight to me. I, I, uh, John. I think 
is it authentic um <laughs> authenticity that's the word i'm looking for that because that's that's the thing for me like when i compare uh like let's say omega or or really like a lot of indie wrestlers or uh like the main roster wwe guys like in term or wrestlers the, the the women and the men like with their facial expressions and stuff is compared that to like kobashi or steamboat is like steamboat and kobashi you like believed what was what was happening to them you know and that's yeah. that's what that's what I never get with um, with with Kenny. With, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is about Kobashi. I could see there. I mean, like I said, definitely see the comparison. I, mean, I I I don't agree with that. Like I, I I love. I mean, he but he like he's a big he's a big emoter, right? Yeah. Like, he does but, like big big stuff. But I, I mean, I love it. I'm not. I'm just saying, like that is an argument that I've. Heard. It's, a, it's a great question. I would love to. I would love to hear from somebody who like fucking hates Kenta Kobashi and tell me. You know, explain to me why. I would imagine it would probably be on a similar track as to why I dislike Kenny Omega because Kenny's trying to do the same stuff. But yeah, in my head, it doesn't it doesn't click like that for me. So Mm -hmm. it could just be like bias too of like what I grew up with, and you know, like Kobashi to me was like one of my gateways into Japanese wrestling and all that. But yeah, just it's in my head, it's not like. A thing where like I'm, I find him egregious on that, but yeah. we're way off track. So yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> the death match, heavyweight title match, uh, Masashi Takeda and Asami Kodaka. This is my number two match of the entire year. Any promotion, any type of wrestling. Um, I gave this the full five stars. The second time Takeda's earned five stars in like a or from me, like a seven punts fan since he. I also won five stars on his match with um, Takahashi at the end of 2017. But yeah, this was incredible. I mean, this was basically a, um, you know, again, a, a very like standard Japanese wrestling match, you know, that would have been out of place in a in like a G one, except in broken glass and all this other shit, and just like, just they did like everything in the world. First of all, um, you know, instead of a chop exchange, they did like breaking light tubes over each other's backs. Um, there's a time where like Masashi with like a Takeda had like a really well applied cross arm breaker right in the middle of glass hell. And Azami Kodaka uses the very natural counter of the Greco Roman scissors to forehead <laughs> to break it up. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite spots of the year. Um, there, there was like a, a double knees off the giant ladder right into like a, and then kicks out of it and then goes right into like a sick ass German. Um, and that's where like the match really hit like another level for me. And they just like, you know, they're losing so much blood and they just keep kicking out of everything. And then they start doing these like intricate, like New Japan style, like finisher counter sequences while going through massive blood loss. I mean, like they're they're doing like Okada Tanahashi while fucking bleeding to death. And it's like just it's just fucking incredible. And yeah, I just I, I don't know. It's like this one. This is the match where like. You know, it, it the, both these matches, the, the strong title match and the death title match, like were very, were already very hyped up by the time I sat down to watch it. So they both had even that that hurdle where I didn't see the show. I mean, no one could have seen the show live unless they were in the building because it aired on Samurai a few weeks later. But I didn't see the show even like right when it went up. So other people were already talking about how great both these matches were, and usually that can be a a really tough hurdle for me. Like in my head, I'm like, okay, what's so good about them? But like. They both delivered, and this one especially, you know, just fucking blew me away. I mean, that's, I think, you know, of of my limited viewing of the genre, this is the best death match I've ever, I've ever seen. Like, this is my favorite one ever. So, 
you know, I thought this was incredible and I loved every single second of it. Yeah, I think that what this what this match really does well and what really um, makes it as good as it is, is that they do a really good job of using um, their whatever devices they have. Like in this case, it's a lot of death uh, light tubes, especially and um, the escalation of weapons to really tell their story of it starts with them both smashing tubes over their heads and then they kind of come back to this throughout the match and they kind of use it to guide the story and use it as like um use that as kind of the central point of like kind of like a health meter you know where you can kind of see if if one of them smashes the tubes over their head and then how they react to that then the other guy might capitalize on it a little bit or you can kind of tell where they are like man He's starting to be worn down, etc. And I think that that is really an interesting way to kind of use um, light tubes as like a transitionary device and to kind of like guide the match along. And then by the time it gets to the end where they had that crazy no-selling sequence, it makes sense because like a guy just no-sells a uh, knee drop off a ladder. But like it makes sense in this case because you've seen the entire story previously of – these are the two warriors. They're gonna. It's gonna take literally anything, like whatever you have, to keep them knocked down. And even things that you think are it might not quite be it. So I really appreciated that part of the story and how they kind of used the escalation to tell their story. But yeah, this match is incredible. It's it's either this one or a Sukumoto match, which is my favorite Big Japan match of the year. One of them is absolutely making my top ten of the year, but I don't know. Where I mean, maybe even both of them will. I don't. I don't know, but at least one will. But yeah, this match is incredible, and I'm glad. Like, Big Japan could really use, especially when a Big Japan match like breaks into the beyond the bubble and like gets people to talk about it. Um, I like this is kind of the second one that happened in about six or seven months, and I'm glad that both of them were death matches because usually when it happens, it's strong style matches. So it's pretty cool to see this connect pretty universally where everybody even if you don't like death matches you can acknowledge that this match fucking rocked yeah anything, oh, anything to add Drew? yes uh this is this is my match of the year um you know across any uh, any uh, amount of wrestling uh i've only watched it once so i i'm gonna i don't like to watch matches a bunch of times but i i kind of just like to judge it on like what my feelings are at the time. And I remember like Kevin said, the very first spot in the match was both of them grabbing light tubes and smashing them over their own heads. And it's like, I just got the biggest smile on my face. It's like, all right, we're yeah, here, here, here we go. Like, this is going to be awesome. And something else that you mentioned, Kevin is like the, the way light tubes are used and, and, death matches the way weapons are used and the, they're always used as like a way to establish a baseline uh like pain threshold kind of you know what i mean so it's like sometimes you'll have a match where they'll tease a spot for a little bit first like they'll tease uh going into the light tubes for the first time and so th- that kind of establishes the pain threshold uh, and this match, it's like right away they're both bleeding. They're breaking light tubes over each other's heads. All right. So 
the pain threshold and like the, the, the base level of violence is already pretty high. So where are they going to go from there? And so over the next 20 minutes, you just see them slowly escalate and build like what they're going to be able to do and how much pain they're going to be able to take. And yeah, I mean, all the, all the no selling and everything, it, it totally uh, makes sense in a, deathmatch context because that that's that's kind of like one of the prerequisites and kind of one of the uh understandings that you have and kind of the one of the unwritten rules going into it is that yeah well these guys are crazy they wrestle death matches so they can take a lot of punishment and they don't feel things as much so i don't know it's uh, uh, i think from like a psychology standpoint or whatever you know if that if that same exact spot uh let's say let's say like the the double knee drop off the ladder if that same spot had uh, taking place in, I don't know, you know, a non-death match, just a normal match. I, I think, and, you know, whoever took the move, no sold it. I, I think it would be, it's different. I think there'd be a lot more criticism there, but uh, yeah, it just, the, this match made me so happy. Um, once again, you had e- even a little bit of a different kind of match uh, than you'd be seeing, than you'd, you'd seen before. And Asami Kadaka, who's been kind of quiet, uh, over the past couple years, you know, he was real big there for uh, he he was really working a lot of different places and he's kind of calmed down a little bit and working in Basara mostly. But um, he comes back up for this gnarly, incredible death match. So and then yeah. he mainly gets hurt in a crappy and a kind of crappy rematch. Yeah, that's a, right. A cage match in the Basara show. Yeah. Yeah, but, that's uh, right. It sucks because like he's I think he's still gonna be out a few more months, but yeah, I mean yeah. I Zami Kodaka, look, I mean, he's always been one of my favorites. Um I don't really think that's a breaking news to people if they know me. And you know, he's a guy he, like his title reign as KOD champion is like one of the major things that made me oh, a really big DDT fan in the first it, place. It's so good. So and like I don't know, I just I just can't get enough of any of it. I mean yeah. he's one of the only wrestlers I think that um, I will find equally compelling in deathmatch and non-deathmatch situations. Like, yeah. there's nothing that guy cannot do that I will not, you know, watch a million times over. So, yeah, he needs oh. to come back as soon as possible. Tag team too, because he has an amazing tag team with Yuko Miyamoto. So, like, there's there's like nothing he cannot do. And you know what we you know what we didn't mention was that this was a sold out Corican Hall, so the yes. place was totally rocking. Yeah. And there's yeah. there's not much better than a packed Big Japan Cork and Hall show. Yeah, I mean, that, was... that's like that's a wild crowd. Yeah. Um. But yes. So that I get. Did anybody see anything from the uh, the Sapporo two days specifically? I guess the tag title match. No the 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 uh, the summer for Big Japan it seemed to be a real quiet summer. Yeah. I'm scrolling yeah, through now trying to. Trying there wasn't to find that something. much. There wasn't that much till August. Yeah, and even even uh, those August Corican shows. July twenty first, Osaka. I know there were Tadeki and Uto. I don't really have any thoughts on that. I don't, I don't know if I even saw it. I know Brennan saw it. He said, <laughs> "I think he said it was like not good." Okay, yeah, so. I, I think I think even he I mean, if Brennan doesn't like it, yeah, if Brennan yeah. doesn't <laughs> like a fucking Tadeki match. It must have been like the worst match of all time. So, um, I'm going through here. Did anyone see the? Um, the Kazuki Hashimoto title change when he won the title August 12th at Korokan. No. Okay. Did you? I did not. No. no. <laughs> I told one of you guys had. No. <laughs> no, like uh, I said, I, I I I didn't see a lot of Big Japan from the summer. Kaki Rai, anyone see that? 
I want to say I skimmed it, but let's let's see here. I'm trying to think what was on. I, I just pulled up the card. Uh, no. No, I didn't. Not, <laughs> okay. a, not a match. <laughs> How about Death Mania? This yes. I did see. Okay. Yeah. Starting with the, the strong title match, Deki and Kamatani. I thought this was good. Um, I went three and a half on it. It was a very good match. I don't really remember a ton from it, but I remember liking it. So liking it a lot better than their matches in 2017. Oh, you didn't like that that the first uh Kamatani match. Oh, you're the... right. I prob- I must. I, I probably yeah, did. I, I, I think there's one I'm thinking of, especially yeah. where I really fucking hated it in 2017. So I guess that's the second one, probably. Yeah. But but yeah, this was good though. This death yeah. Mania match. Yeah, very 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 solid. I would say that for for both this match and the Miyamoto match. Yeah. Solid ma- solid matches. Uh, maybe a little disappointing the uh, Miyamoto match just because it. it I was gonna. Been. I was gonna say Takeda Miyamoto. I was actually. <laughs> pretty damn disappointed by but that's my standard for both guys. I mean, was a guy I really like and Takeda is Takeda at this point. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think uh, just given the potential of both guys, a little disappointing, but I don't know. I mean, it's still, still good. So and a cool finish. Yeah. Um, September 16th, death Vegas. Of course they had to run it. Usually that would have been a show that takes place at the end of the year, but they had to run it early since, they were running um, Rio Gokutan towards the end of the year this year due to the, um, you know, the the ongoing renovations in Sumo Hall uh, that also forced Peter Pan to be moved back. Uh, so it happened September 16th in Yokohama. Um, pretty good show. This is a this is a show that almost this happens a lot with the Big Japan Big Shows. Where I I liked all three of the Big Shows this year. Um, one of them I thought was clearly better than the other two, with the ones we'll get to in a second. But the other two were still good, and they're almost always shows that I'm never really looking forward to going in. But then when I, you know, I look at the card, I'm like, oh, this could be okay. But then when I actually sit down and watch it, they're almost always pretty damn good. So I thought that was no no different here. It was, it was a pretty damn good show. Yeah, I think the thing with big New Japan show, or sorry, big uh, big Japan big, big shows, Japan shows, big big Japan shows, <laughs> uh, is is that like? I do think there's a pretty there's a pretty high floor for a lot of stuff. Yeah. Just with, because, yeah. like, again, like you go through you go through the card on Death Vegas, and it's like, oh, six man tag match, whatever uh, tag league match in a strong block, you know. But the, the, it doesn't look like much on paper. But everyone was always is so excited and always works so hard that it's like, oh man. Uh, you know, Sekifudo, Shinobu, Shinobu, and uh, Yoshino versus. Uh, Kinkuro Hoshino, Sakine, and Takumi Sakamoto. Oh, that's pretty good for ten minutes. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, the, like, the so. other the other six men I liked a lot actually. Um, yeah, Okame, strong. Okame, and Hashimoto against Kikuda, Hama, and Kawakami. That was yeah. We had only eleven and a half minutes, but that was that was really good. Yeah, and and the the uh, junior match, the Hashimoto and yeah. Aoki versus Abe and Nomura. That, that was that was awesome. awesome. Yeah. yeah, and I sh- I should say going back a little bit in the tag league, uh, I haven't seen this match, but there's a Takeda match. Uh, uh, it's him and uh, Sukamoto, and there's it's a fire death match, and that's supposed to be really good. Um, Kevin, did you see that? No, I've seen some of the tag league stuff, mainly the Corkins, and I don't think that that was on one of those. So I no, didn't it, see that. It's on an outdoor show. Um, it's on it's on uh, Core, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that that's supposed to be like a good match. So I don't know. I I, I want to. That's one of the reasons I've been kind of contemplating uh, getting Core, but yeah, didn't. I still haven't pulled the trigger on that. So 
But, oh, something else I wanted to add, add about the Tag League was what we got to see was Abdullah Kobayashi teaming with Yoshihiso Uto in, yeah, Ucho, at, in, in Ucho, a deathmatch. Uto's like deathmatch stuff has been really like praised when I've seen. He's yeah. normally, normally a strong guy who did some deathmatches this year. Oh, I, yeah, I, think awesome. that I think that he was a strong guy. I think that it seems to me like he is going to be – Pretty much a deathmatch guy. Do you think That's, so? Wasn't he? Wasn't he back on the strong division in on his last show? Yeah, he was. Yeah, but he was still dressed like Abby. That's okay. true. Well, I guess we'll say. I um, I, I, I really hope I would. Well, I was going to bring that up. I mean, uh, I was going to yeah. bring up Kobayashi and Uto against Yankee Two Kenji. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I, I feel like once you start dressing like Abby and shave your head, <laughs> that there's no going back. Um, like even if you can work, even if you work matches that aren't death matches, like. You're that's you now. You know? you've, you've crossed the threshold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the double main event here. I like both these matches a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Sekimoto, or Suzuki and uh, Naganoe, really awesome, strong title match. I, I went four stars on this. And again, like I think most of Suzuki title matches I saw this year were actually really good, which is why I think the narrative on how that reign was going to play out was a little bit was quite a bit wrong. And I think this, you know, the crowd was so behind Naganoe, and it really. I thought Suzuki actually sold from quite a bit. So yeah, Nakanoe is a guy that I wonder if they should have pulled the trigger on at some point this year. Yeah. Like I don't know if he would have been a long sustainable champion. Like that's probably asking too much. But maybe pulling it on him at least. Like when we were talking, especially Drew and I earlier, we thought that Nakanoe should win the uh, um, strong climb. Like I thought that I think the last four guys were it was Sekimoto and. What was it? Sekimoto and Hashimoto? Yeah, Sekimoto, Hashimoto, and Nakanoe and Suzuki, right? And I was convinced it was going the completely opposite, where it was going to be Nakanoe over Sekimoto in the final. And and I thought that that really would have bumped up Nakanoe, especially in the beginning of the year. He seemed like, in a division that needed new guys, he seemed like really the next logical guy that the crowd was actually really getting behind. They're really into him. Yeah. Naturally. That's what happened with this. I mean, that's one of the things that made this match so compelling. I think yeah. the crowd was so into him. So, yeah. And I, you know what, this was like this match. I was so invested in Nakanoe winning more than like any other match this year. Cause I watched it. I don't know. It didn't air live, but I think I watched it like the day after. And so I, I was able to, you know, avoid all the spoilers. So I was like losing it for those near falls at the end. And what I did want to say about Hideki Suzuki kind of going back to our, our conversation a little bit ago was like it, if, 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 and when Hideki Suzuki does put someone over like Nomura, if he like really sells for him and really puts him over strong, then it kind of does justify, uh, like you were saying, John, like it, it does justify a lot of, uh, like swallow him swallowing people up and stuff. Um, it's just kind of the way he does it that I, that I don't like, but I just, like, I look, I will be, admit the one thing you brought up that I think is a fucking stupid complaint 
is if that he ate up uh, Yuko Ayukio and DT. No, like, I'm 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 not compl- <laughs> I'm not complaining about that necessarily. I'm just I saw a lot of people on Twitter did though. So that's why I wanted to bring yeah, it up. I mean, because he should not be selling for Yukio Saga. I look, I fucking love Yukio Saga. He's one of my favorite guys in DDT. Yeah, Hideki Suzuki should not be selling for Yukio Saga Gucci. No, in a no, random no. tag match in DDT. I'm, yeah, and I and I and I I agree with that. I was just using that as an example of like uh, there, there there is a way to do that where you establish that one guy is above someone else in like the pecking order where you're not humiliating in them, you know, or, or I, totally, or right. totally like delegitimizing. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was this whole I mean? thing again, but the only thing please, I will say is, please. The only thing I will say is, let's talk H- another hour H- about this. Hideki has to do what he's going to do to be special. Cause if he's just another guy, um, you know, doing headlocks on the map and he's just a Japanese Zack Sabre Jr. So, yeah. Yeah, I, which is I, nothing I, wrong with that because I like Zack Sabre Jr., but like I think what Hideki is is a lot more unique than that. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that too. Um, I just think there's a line there. But as far as this match goes, Suzuki gave Nakanaway a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and like made made him look good. Which again, because he doesn't do that that often, yeah. that that made this match fucking awesome. So. And, yeah, and it's it's like my whole thing. I don't disagree with the fact that he does dominate opponents it's like it's the way he does it yeah i guess that's fair enough i just i don't doesn't bother me yeah the main event takeda and ryuji ito that's i liked a lot too it's yes. a very it's a very good match um kevin yeah, really you wanna, good you want to talk yeah. about it yeah um uh with this match it's a match that i liked a lot i'm kind of having trouble thinking of um specific parts of it even though i really did like it um it's more of the greater story of Ito is another one of the old deathmatch guard. I mean, in a lot of ways, he's like the number one guy in that guard in uh, Big Japan. So it's Takeda finally just kind of throwing everything he has at another one of the big legends. And uh, Ito, again, I think knew who he was working with and what he had to do. And he kind of brought himself up to another level as well that he hasn't really been at in a while. And I thought that they had another really good match. It's not one of the top level Takeda matches, but it's probably the level right underneath that. So um, I think I was at like four and a quarter on this one. It's, a, it's another one of those aura matches. Yeah. It's like it's they, they, sure were, they were just going to bleed buckets for, for the people, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, September 24th at Corican. I remember liking this quite a bit. The, well, wait, Drew, Chargers. do you have anything else about Ido? Oh. I didn't, about the the Edo yeah. match, yeah. Uh, should I? I don't know. No, sorry. All right, that was a very awkward <laughs> way to go back. No, but that's Drew right. just hadn't talked anything about it, so I wasn't sure about anything else. Yeah. Um, but anyone thought since Corkin again? I remember liking this. You know, just a lot of tag league matches, a lot of good stuff on this. If you missed this show, definitely go back and watch it. Yeah. Let's was see. It, was that the one? Uh... Well, it's the one with the uh, Takeda and Sukamoto against Reiki and Sakura. Main event, which I liked a lot. Um, oh. It has the Sekimoto and Suzuki against Hashimoto and Aoki match I liked quite a bit. Um, trying to think what else is on here. Yeah, this yeah. is just a really good Big Japan Corkin shows when they're like nice and compact, but everything is good are like some of the easiest watches in wrestling. But it's also kind of hard to pick apart like specific things on them because they're just such a breeze. And this is one of those. Um, there's one from we'll talk about next month that I like more than this one, but this one was still really good. Yeah, yeah I mean, you you had the you had the interaction between uh, 
Takeda and Ueki and Sakuda, you know, who are unit members with, uh, or brothers, Chimidoro brothers with Takahashi, which was cool. And just more, more establishing that Masashi Takeda is a really good tag team wrestler as well. Yes. Yes, he is. He he very, he very much is. He very much is. (laughs) He really is. He's just, he is a great wrestler. Let's be real. He's just, He's just a fantastic wrestler who uh, you should vote for for Wrestler of the Year this year. So, yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, after that, I believe we can move on to the Tag League. Fo- oh, Tag League and Sapporo this year. Um, oh, no, not Sapporo. No, they, wow, these things it was, it, it was at Corkin. Yeah, these things go on forever. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, well, Sapporo had a junior title match with Hashimoto against Yoshino. Don't believe I saw that. That um, I I haven't seen that one. That one's supposed to be a really good match. Though. Okay, I definitely have to check it out. Um, I mean, it should be the two the two people in there. The tag league finals at Cork in October twenty fifth. Uh, it was also for the tag title since you know, um, unfortunately, like I said, Azami Kodaka went down with injury. Um, ended up being with Ryotohama and Nakanoe beating Okami. Yeah. But they what? the real reason they forfeited the belt was because Yuka, uh, Miyamoto left his belt somewhere and no show to show with it. <laughs> so funny. he dropped the belt. It was before the Kodaka injury, I believe. Oh, okay. really? I think so. I yeah. don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure that it is, and that that was like the reason was that he like didn't bring it to a show, so he's so ashamed that he dropped it. <laughs> um, but yeah, any any thoughts on this one? This show was awesome. This yeah. show was like pretty under the radar uh, show that I didn't see get that much talk. And I watched it like a few weeks late doing catch up. And like this show was great. Um, it pretty much has everything I want from a big Japan show. It had um, the main event was really good with the uh, Okami versus Nakanoe and Hama. Big match Hama, which is always fun. You get every year or two. Like he's just bumping over the place. He seems like a big deal because he's fucking is big. And it was just a ton of fun. Um, the semi main, you had. Uh, Hideki Suzuki and Takeda interactions, which were awesome. Um, unfortunately, there won't be a title versus title match, but maybe at some point we actually get uh, a match between them because this was a lot of fun with Takeda trying to hang with Suzuki, showing that he could be a wrestler too. A lot of aura stuff going on. So that was really good. Then you had um, a solid death match right underneath that. Um, like you had. Uh, the Chimamoto brothers wrestling each other, which they they always have really good chemistry. Yeah, that had, that was a good match. Yeah, you had Sekimoto tearing it up with the um, young boys there, so you, which you don't really get to see a lot of uh, interaction, like a tag match with him just beating up on the real young guys who like all seem like they have a lot of potential. Like this show is, like I said, it's a real under the radar show, but. This isn't the best Big Japan show this year or anything, but like if you want just a solid, fun Big Japan show, there's not really anything better this year than this show. Like I liked it a ton. Um, anything to add to this, Drew? Nope. Kevin said it all. <laughs> all right. So that brings us to Rio Goku Tan, mm-hmm. which um, just happened, of course, a you know just a, a about what like nine days ago now, and. This to me was one of the best shows of the year. Uh, I saw someone in the Voice of Wrestling Slack mention that they thought this was like 
as good. I think it was actually Andy, uh, someone you guys would probably know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he they, basically he said like this is as good of a show as you can have, you know, without having like a true match of the year level match on it. And that's basically how I would agree. Like, there's nothing yeah. on here that I thought was like as good as the other two matches we mentioned. But they're you know they from the twentieth and some of the other stuff. But there is some just like it's just a top to bottom great card where almost everything is like a really really good match. So I thought this was just a great show. Yeah, everything either delivered or over delivered, um, in in my mind at least. And uh, yeah, I mean you you can't ask for anything beyond that really in terms of a wrestling show really easy to watch to I mean, it, it was long it was like four and a half hours long or something but it you know it breezed by pretty quick so yeah. and again good stuff on the undercard where like the guys are all trying really hard yeah um and then as far let's even go through it real quick especially since this is the most recent one um all the undercard tags you know especially abe nomura against Takeda and Shinobu. That stood out to me as a really good tag team match. Yes. This is great. Nomura is finally, like, he's a guy that on Burning Spirits we talked about a lot where we just kind of saw him develop, and he was the kind of spunky guy where you could tell he's a bit of a dickhead, but, like, still the young line. And now he's really um, come into his own a lot, and it really feels like he's just right on the edge of being, like, a real player in Big Japan. So like yeah. it's all starting to come together for him. And I think that next year could be a real big breakout uh, year for him. Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's hope so. Yeah. Boy, boy, is he popular too. Like his, his lines for pictures and stuff. When I, when I saw uh, the big Japan shows were like, you know, as big as anyone's. And it's like, he, he feels like a big Japan guy. Like he, fe- he feels like he's, he's there for life, you know? Which is cool. Um, and then as far as the rest of the card, you obviously have, you know, the, the Kawakami and Okabayashi, which was my match of the night. I, you know, I won four and a quarter on this. And I said that there's no match of the year candidate, but this is still, like, one of my favorite Big Japan matches of the year just because, you know, this was, like, a, a classic, you know, a very classic, you know, feud with these two that were resuming. Mm-hmm. That I thought was a great choice for Okabayashi's return. And yeah, I don't know. Like, there's Okobayashi selling of the arm here, but I thought was just incredible. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and Kawakami, really, really... Kawakami stepping up too. Yeah, um, you know, yeah, and just, thought... just to preface, he Okobayashi had been out for more than or right about a year with a shoulder injury, and he's if you aren't familiar with Big Japan, he's one of the big, I guess, big two guys of the strong division, and yeah. he finally came back. Yeah, so you know, definitely, definitely one of the one of the better one of the better matches of the year for Big Japan, in my opinion. And like, you know, just I don't know, it, it just felt like a war between the two of them, and that's what I think really put it over the top for me. And it felt like you could really like feel the hatred right off the bat, and it just built from there into like a really amazing twelve and a half minute match. And and um, some of some of the moves Okabayashi were, was doing weren't even like suplexes or throws or, or or like they weren't even technically moves. It was just him picking Kawakami up and throwing him. It, you know, just like picking him up in various ways and throwing him. It was yeah. like like he did he did something. It was it was like kind of a power bomb, but it it wasn't. 
because he just picked the man up and threw him really hard. On wasn't, the wasn't there one that was almost like a German and then he just slammed him forward? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah, he picked him up by his waist and didn't suplex him. He just he just threw him, like threw him forward. <laughs> um, other than that, you know, I really liked the I mean the tag title match was good. Um yeah, Hama threw a table. Hama threw a table. The Hashimoto and Aoki was fucking awesome. Another four star match for the junior title. Yeah. Yeah, um, dude, Aoki looked awesome, and that felt like a big deal. Like they they made him feel like a big deal, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, the Madness Massacre returns match: uh, Kobayashi and Ito against beating Numizawa and Junkasai. This was awesome. Awesome. This yeah. was sick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you had you had three. Old, I mean, you had like that's that's four of like the most charismatic deathmatch wrestlers like of all time, at least in Japan, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's all that old, like mid two thousands, uh, generation, you know, just like working. And then awesome. they did a fucking balcony dive in this fucking match. So I mean, crazy. <laughs> Ryuji Ito of all people who doesn't like try at all did a balcony dive. Yeah. I mean, you could tell he was hyped up to be doing this. So yeah. Um, and then it makes know- me hope that I have no clue, but it would be real cool if June Kasai sticks around for a little while. Like the death tournament is coming up in the spring, and Jeez. if June Kasai is in it somehow, yeah, it would I, be incredible. I, I don't know. Probably, be, but, probably not. Right. But I mean, it wasn't like the way he left the match. It didn't seem like it was like completely just watching him and stuff. It seemed like it was left wide open that he could come back. So who knows? Yeah, we'll um, see. The the strong title match, Sekimoto beating Suzuki, ending his reign. Um, I mean, I went four on this. I thought this was, just, I don't know. I thought this was almost like Hideki trying to show he could do like a more pure Japanese, like str- and pure match slash like strong division style match. And I thought that was kind of the point of this entire reign. Actually, he did that a, quite a few times in the the Nakanoi match too. But like this was like the climax of that and. You know, after they started with like the mat, the mat wrestling stuff you'd expect, the stretch run was pretty much could have been any other, you know, strong division match. I thought so. I thought it was almost like Suzuki showing that he could do this too, and you know, I thought he was really good at it actually. So, you know, I thought this was by far a lot better than the thirty minute draw, and a really good match. Yeah, I thought that this was really good too. In the middle, it it dragged a little bit for me, but the beginning, especially in the end, once it got going, it was awesome. It was really like what I want like the ideal type of match from these guys that I wanted where the throws like were just throws, but they all felt really impactful and like really meaningful to the story of the match and stuff. And the crowd reacted uh, in kind. So it was really good. Yeah. What, what I kind of liked about this is it, it kind of felt like you had a reversal of roles where Suzuki was trying to work a more traditional uh, strong match and Sekimoto was trying to work a more traditional Suzuki style match. Cause you had like the feeling out and the mat work at the beginning and then the big like strike exchange and big finishing run at the end. Uh, and then in the middle, they were like trying to, you know, working within those limits as well. I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And in the main event, the death match title, uh, Masaya Takahashi defeating Masashi Takeda. Um, I, I've seen this one all over the place. Um, I was at three and three quarters, which to, you know, for anybody, any other type of match is a very good match, you know, boring on excellent, but just for these two, I thought it was well below the level of those two 2017 matches. 
And I just think not having the light tubes, you know, which you're never going to have with Goku, I just think it just didn't it, it didn't work for me on the same level as their previous matches. That not that it still wasn't really good, but it just wasn't like I don't know. It it, it wasn't the kind of classic their other two matches were. Kevin, so um, this match. Going in, I felt like the writing was on the wall for the Takeda Rain. Um, so the the Takeda Rain, I really think this year, um, it really was an incredible uh, rain that I think that really um, should be kind of put up there along with anything else, any other major rains over the past ten or twenty years. Like from match to match. All the matches were really good. He told a really cohesive story and really built his character from match to match and just kind of it all tied together and was all really good. And uh, I, th- I think re- – I can't say if it's the best deathmatch run ever because I haven't seen enough. But as somebody who – I mean, I would think that it probably is. And it just – everything was great. And then going into this match, it just felt inevitable that uh, – when it was Takahashi again for the third time, it just felt like, okay, it's probably coming to an end, even though I didn't really want it to. And not going to lie, I thought that I was going to get kind of emotional when watching this. But um, I think that I knew what the result was so much that it didn't – and like not in a spoiled way, just – I knew it just felt like it was time. So it didn't hit me as hard as I thought it was going to, but I did really have a lot invested in this rain. And the match, I did think it absolutely is the worst of the three Takahashi matches. I'm, I uh, would definitely agree on that. But I still thought that it was a really uh, great match. I, I went four and a quarter on it. Uh, to me, it did feel like a big-time match. And it didn't feel as fast and as chaotic and as violent as some of, the, as some of their other matches or of both of their other matches. But it did really feel big and with a lot of stakes. And I did like that they kind of – they didn't have all the weapons that they could use. And um, we talked about, like, light tubes as a transitional tool in some of the other matches. And it really was lacking that as a way to kind of escalate the violence and to really get the crowd behind them in this match. And I do agree with that. But I do really think that they uh, laid out the spots really well and that they built the match really well and that there were some big – really big, um, brutal spots. And I will admit, like, I know that one, um, spot that we talked about a little bit before John was the, uh, um, sunset flip power bomb off the top rope that, uh, it was supposed to be through just a web of barbed wire and Takeda slipped and didn't get around all the way the first time and had to go back up for it and then do it. And so that did, it was a bummer that it wasn't completely smooth, but as soon as he actually hit the power bomb and it just looked absolutely fucking brutal and miserable, I kind of got over the botch there where it was just like, I wish it was smoother, but the end result was still insane. So I still, like I said, I still thought that this was a really good match. I was really bummed at the end that the Takeda reign was over because now it's back on Takahashi who uh, had it last year. And he's a good champion. I don't know if he's really um, grown at all since he had the belt last. And I'm not exactly sure, like, what the rest of the division would be like. I'm just – I'm not – I'm not sure there's any way that this can be anything but a step down from Takeda. So I'm kind of cautious about it. But still, um, I did enjoy this match a lot. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I do think it was hurt a little bit by those two. It was like the two big spots they kind of, the botched like the other one was Takeda going over the top rope and landing on the uh, it was like a like a wagon or something with a fork board on it um do you guys remember that one it was earlier in the match and they kind of he kind of missed that as well yeah it was, it was like he got backdropped over it or something uh and, and I, I think yeah like like Kevin said this was this was kind of like an older style death match where it was based on building to certain spots rather than like flat out violence all the way through. Um, and I, I thought they worked it well in that regard. Uh, and it did. I like slower matches for a bigger uh, crowd or like for a bigger show. You know what I mean? Like where they can yeah. kind of play off things bigger. So I did think that was uh, cool. I, I don't think there's any way to look at this as like I, I I don't think I was disappointed in the match because I, I knew going in like I mean because of course we all know you can't use like glass or fire or uh, light tubes or anything in sumo hall so it's like yeah you kind of knew what to expect a little bit and kind of um, I don't know I, I tempered my expectations I think I do think this is a really good way to end his reign though if it has to end like on I mean they did like the classic pro wrestling storytelling where like a guy goes through all the other older challengers and they were really good about not having him beat a lot of the, you know, the main uh, big Japan deathmatch roster uh, in terms of the younger guys, you know, like I think the older, the only younger guy he really beat was like, um, like Sakine and Sukumoto, right. And th- those aren't even, those aren't even uh, roster guys technically. So like they did a good job with that. And on the biggest show of the year, the biggest stage, uh, their guy Takahashi comes back and, you know, defeats Takeda for the final uh, or, or uh, for the title ending, like, you know, the best death match reign of all time, maybe, you know, like Kevin yeah. said. Uh, so yeah, I think, you know, you can't, you can't really be anything less than a little disappointed in the match itself, but I, I don't know. I, I thought it was a great way, uh, to do the title change and a, a great end to the title. Um, okay. So definitely, I would totally agree with the, I think that's the consensus, honestly, yeah. that that was an incredible death match title reign. The Hideki strong title reign, I thought, um, he ended up acquitting himself well, you yeah. know, he, it didn't start out well, but I thought it ended really well. And, you know, I thought it the last two title matches, especially, I thought this was about as good as a emergency placeholder reign as you could have asked for. Well, and it was like, remember the other one started out really well, but then petered out at the end. And this was kind of the opposite of that. Yeah. So I thought this was a good reign overall. Yeah. Any different thoughts on that, Kevin? Um. No, like going through match to match, I did like it more than I I like the rain, like the sum of the parts more than I thought. Like I said, my biggest thing was that I was just kind of solid on it in the beginning. And it was just kind of hard to really capture my interest, even though there were good matches for sure. Later on, it just felt I couldn't shake the idea of it being a retread out of my head. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's fair. So overall, Big Japan's year. What would you guys say? Uh, kind of weird. It was, in some ways, a transition year. Like, the strong division was absolutely a transition year a bit. 
transitioning exactly to what I don't know, but it still was like they just kind of had to figure it out a little bit. Whereas the death match uh, stuff was obviously we've talked about it was like incredible and they were drawing really well and and where it had kind of petered out in other years, it had kind of really gained the focus and was just uh, really on. So with how much I liked the Takeda Rain, also he had really good matches and freedoms in like GCW and stuff too that are worthwhile. So it's not just limited. His year isn't just limited to uh, Big Japan. But um, but yeah, I think that just on the strength of that and like Cork and Hall shows still being fun and everything, I think that this was definitely um, a really good Big Japan year, even though in some ways it was um, people talked about it a lot more and in other ways it was kind of a little more under the radar. Yeah, like I said at the beginning of the show, this was a year where they it felt like they were really trying to refocus and get the deathmatch division uh, back on top and back as a big focus. And uh, they really worked hard to get the deathmatch division up and running again uh, with this new generation of guys. And I mean, I'm excited to see if Takahashi has the belt now and there's, you know, when you look at it, there's a decent amount of younger deathmatch wrestlers, especially if you have Uto uh, joining the deathmatch division, which would be, which would be like incredible. I would love that. So I think it was cool in that regard. And I think it was a very successful uh, year for them in terms of, of uh, refocusing uh, the deathmatch division and, and really reigniting that. Yeah. Um, so I would I would basically agree with all that. I I think you know the strong climb maybe not turning out very well, you know, or at least not getting any great buzz. I think that hurt the year. Core big fucking big Japan core hurt the year. If they had a a more consistent streaming service like DDT Universe or something, I think that would help them. You know, at least get like a more devoted block of fans. Whereas this, it's like you have your devote your your fans that want to be devoted and just like. Like okay, when where are the shows? <laughs> like, what so, shows are coming out on this? So, I think I, that, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think that hurt their year too. I th- I think I think the thing with that is like because Big Japan they have no interest in overseas markets. Although they uh, really have an English online store. <laughs> well, you you know what? They set that up, and virtually no one has ordered from it. Yeah. So it's I I think they because that that was like they. Uh, they were trying to, you know, they thought, okay, well, like, there's a little bit of interest here. Let's let's see. And no one ordered from it. They're so, on PWTs too. I don't know if that's, people that's buy true. them or not, but yeah, but yeah. They are on I did, it. I did, I bought a big Japan show on PWTs actually. So oh, cool. I was, I was like the one. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so it's like I, Big Japan Core really bums me out, but it's it's also like. It's not for us, oh, right? But even for the Japanese fans, it's like, is this doing it? Who's who is this doing it? I I guess it's supposed to be like a supplement, right? I guess. Yeah, you... yeah. That that's the thing because it's like yeah. you, sh- you should have you have samurai. Yeah. And then, no, that makes you sense. Can see, you can see all the um, all the smaller shows and stuff, and you don't have to deal with Nico Nico and like they're they're not even are they even on or associated or affiliated with Nico Nico anymore? I don't think so. Yeah, so it's like now they can just get that like they probably make i'm obviously pure pure speculation here but they probably make enough um from just people japanese people wanting to see the smaller shows where 
you know, so they don't have to worry about Nico Nico. They just pocket all that money, you know what I mean? Yeah. So again, that I have no idea if that's the case. That's just it's fair, talking, but... it's fair. But yeah, so I mean, like, again, if you're one of the people that wants to follow Big Japan more than you do, and you're frustrated because you don't like core, and I've heard from a couple of these people on Twitter, I know these people exist, mm-hmm. you know, I would tell you, if you want to, if you're only, if you're not interested in the really tiny shows, let your core subscription drop. Don't wait for, for, shows, for big shows to show up there, because they're not going to and for a long time, and just keep your ear to the ground, and you will be able to find, you know, these Big Japan shows on Twitter if you look. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, and like I said, you can always ask me too if something's up and I can always point you to it. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, other than that, you know, I think the strong division had kind of a weak year. Um, you know, I liked the Hideki Reign, there just wasn't a lot else going on. Um, the Deathmaster division had a pretty strong year. And I guess what you think of Big Japan depends on if you lean more in one way or the other. I tend to be more about the strong stuff, even though I can appreciate the, ta- the Deathmatch stuff. A lot more now, and I like the, the, the you know the Takeda rain a lot, but you know so overall it wasn't my favorite Big Japan year or anything, but it was you know it was a solid year for and a good year for big shows. I think the three big shows are all really good, so yeah. I mean that that's worth noting. So and you did you did have a lot of little glimmers of hope in the strong division, like Nakanoe kind of rising up, Uto I think came into his own a good amount. You have. Aoki, who's like the the breakout star of the younger guys, or you know the real like the younger guys even more so than Nomura, like the generation ahead of Nomura or, or newer generation to Nomura, and I guess I should say, but uh, you know, and then you have like Abe and Nomura kind of rising, uh, climbing the ranks as well. So not like a lot of real meaty stuff to dig into this year, but. I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see the strong division next year, how they fare. Yeah, I definitely yeah. agree. We'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, just throwing Okabayashi back in there, obviously, is a huge, huge uh, addition. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, I totally forgot about him, too. Yeah. <laughs> he was out all year. So, it'll be yeah. Um, as far as stuff upcoming in the rest of the year, I mean, this is a good promotion to start off the year in review with because they don't have a lot in the rest of the year. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, we have, you know, a, a November. Was it November thirtieth? I think yeah, November thirtieth. Corican show that does not have any title or November twenty seventh. Sorry, there's no title matches on it, um, but there are there is like a you know a uh, a messiah. I think like a Sekimoto Okabayashi tag match. I mean, there's really not a lot on that Corican show. Um, actually, maybe the tag is it is the main event for the tag titles? I have no idea. No, it's not. It's Ito and Seki. Sekine against Abdullah Kobayashi. Okay, so now it's not. But yeah, um, just not a not a big show at all, that November 27th Corican show. And then there is a, let's see, December 2nd show in Death Rules 18, which will have uh, Sakimoto Okobayashi against Kawakami and Daichi Hashimoto. That could be pretty good. Um, just not a lot else on that show, though. And then there's a Corican show in December. Oh, there's a December 9th show in Hakata Star Lanes. So we don't have any a card yet for. And there's a December 30th show at Corican that we don't have any matches yet for. And then they'll, you know, December 31st they will do their um, their t- the tag tournament with DDT, which will be a big deal. But again, it's not really like part of their year. It's just this fun thing they do. And then the year will get, really get going with their January 2nd 
Corkin show, which is almost always um, a really, you know, a big show. So it'll be interesting to see what happens from here, but there isn't really a lot, you know, remaining for 2018. Like you can probably miss the rest of 2018 and start with the second show. Yeah. And start with January 2nd. I mean, that 1230 show is almost never that Corkin show. It's just kind of a show they put on, you know, I don't even remember that there was one last year. To be honest, I remember so many DDT shows around then, but I don't remember. I'm the, tournament but i don't remember that show at all yeah the tournament was was good i don't let me see what the twelve thirty show was because now i'm curious yeah i mean the main event was a death battle royal the semi-main was uh, shinobu and Kankara oh the death battle royal it was actually awesome yeah that but was I mean, actually like, but that's great, not like a central... it, no no no, no, no. <laughs> you don't need to watch right. that i do remember all. i do remember that was good i do remember yeah. that was good. Now you, oh you it's know. it's completely throwaway but it was yeah. tons of fun yeah, but I mean, other than that, it's a bunch of regular matches. So you know, just not a not a big month for them December. So especially without Death uh, Vegas. And without Death Vegas this year. Yeah. So all right, but yeah, that'll do it for Big Japan's year. And let's quickly go over some awards. Um, I think we would for Big Japan. I actually think it will be pretty easy and fast to do this because you know, wrestler of the year. I think everybody would agree. Hideki Suzuki. No, it's <laughs> it's, it's Masashi Takeda. It's Masashi I mean, Takeda. 100%. Yeah, I mean, like yes. he's. He's obviously the big draw. He's obviously had an incredible reign. The only question here to me is, does he have a legitimate case for wrestler of the year overall? And I yes. would say he, he, yes. absolutely, he absolutely does. Yes, I think absolutely like unanimous agreement for all the reasons. He's, I mean, he is right now. He might be my pick. Um, yeah, I'm going back and forth on uh, him. To me, like my race right now is him, Takashi Sugara, and Miyu Yamashita which are not the three names I expected to have at the end of the year. <laughs> but like, those are the three people that I would think of as like absolute MVPs for the promotion, had incredible title reigns, incredible act, like in- incredible matches. And Takeda's right there. I mean, that's right now he might be my pick. It's, I go back and forth on uh, him and, and, you know, and the other two, but right now he might be my pick. The main and- guy I'm wrestling with is Walter. Mm. Because he just got, he has tons of volume all over the place, a lot more than Takeda, and I love Takeda. So that's. But did he did he draw, did he draw any houses or anything? Uh, he headlined the big progress show. He headlined. He's basically a star wherever he goes. Yeah. But uh, as far as drawing houses, it's a lot harder on the indies. But like, yeah. To you know quantify one guy over other places, but every promotion he went into, they strapped him up. So. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and like Takeda, uh, like Kevin briefly mentioned his freedom stuff, but he's had an incredible year in freedoms. He's the yes. king of freedom now. He'll be having a big match uh, at Blood Christmas, but the <laughs> Blood, Christmas. Blood Christmas, and it's against Kasai again, right? Um, no, so I think it was like I think there was a misunderstanding or like mistranslation. Mm. It's not. They're gonna have a. Uh, like a tournament, I think, or a number one contenders match. And I think it's Jun Kasai versus Daisuke Masaoka. Mm. So it's probably going to be against Masaoka and he's probably going to win. And that match should be gnarly. Um, but so he's had, he had the Jun Kasai match, which was crazy. And if we're talking about like uh, wrestler of the year drawing or whatever, he, that, that was the, that like sold out Kirk and Hall. So that's the biggest freedoms house or freedoms, uh, show like attendance yeah, I mean, ever i mean i'm leaning heavily towards takeda is the guy like i yeah. just think this was i mean look he's not gonna win in any major award except maybe he'll do okay in ours because nobody watches this shit but yeah. like in a in a fair just world yes i think he's yeah the guy. like he's yeah. 
so he's like yeah they're they're putting like the two big deathmatch companies in Japan have like put their stock in this guy and like de- are depending on him to raise their entire divisions. Um, and he's doing it. And he like got a took a cactus to the face. Don't forget that. Dude, yes. <laughs> he, that, which is the gnarly, that alone should win him wrestler of the year. Cause that's the gnarliest spot I've ever seen is in that violent Jack match. And if you watch the battleman episode, you can see the samurai TV version of that spot where it's a close up. Um, so it's like super gnarly, but so he's got the freedom stuff. He's got the big Japan stuff. He's got the single stuff. He's got the tag match stuff. He's got the GCW stuff where, where, he's where like, he took a tree to the face in GCW. Yeah. And it's like, he was awesome there. And like, everyone was there to see him. And if we're talking about like merchandise, his shorts have sold out. <laughs> his reversal <laughs> shorts rolls. have sold out. <laughs> Yo, if anybody really wants to get me a Christmas present, I will give you my address. Hook me up with some Takeda shorts when they're restocked. Dude, Kevin, you know I you know I bought a pair, right? I knew you wanted to buy a pair. I didn't know Dude, you actually bought them. I pulled the trigger. Uh, <laughs> oh. Um. So most outstanding. We'll have to talk outside. <laughs> yeah. Most outstanding wrestler, just you know, strictly in ring here. Um. This is the one where I think you can make a debate for Hideki, and I think it depends on what you prefer. You know, obviously, if you're stronger about deathmatch, you'll prefer Takeda. But I think Hideki had a number of really, of really great matches, and I thought he, you know, really performed well. Um, I haven't seen his, um, I haven't seen his strong his strong climb stuff. So maybe that, if you've seen that, you might even have higher than I do. I would, I would lean Takeda just a, a tad because he had a five star match for me, so that that's a big deal for me. But I don't ultimately, I don't think I'm going to vote for either one for most outstanding. Um, but when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.